X-Ray. Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. I'm Emily Gilliland from Portland, Oregon, and it's Wednesday, June 2nd. Today, back in the day, on June 2nd, 1855, the Portland Rum Riot happened. Nope, not our Portland, the other Portland. Back in the mid-1800s, Neil Dow, the mayor of Portland, Maine, was such a staunch supporter of prohibition that he earned the nickname the Napoleon of Temperance. By 1851, Dow passed a bill that made Maine the first dry state. But by 1855, rumors spread that Dow had a large stash of alcohol in City Hall, supposedly for distribution to doctors. The incident made Dow seem like a hypocrite, and so an angry mob descended on City Hall that night. By 5 p.m., the situation had gotten rowdy, with the crowd shoving police and throwing rocks. Eventually, the state's militia was called in. Dow ordered militia members to fire on the crowd of civilians. One man was killed by Dow's forces. The crowd dispersed, but Dow was widely criticized for his excessively violent tactics. In a twist of irony, Dow was later prosecuted for violating Maine law when he bought the stash of alcohol. Although he was ultimately acquitted, the Portland Rum Riot still contributed to the repeal of prohibition laws in 1856. And today, back in the day on June 2, 1907, Constance Fowler was born. A longtime resident of Washington, Fowler was a printmaker, painter, author, and professor. She is best known for her expressive wood engravings and oil paintings produced in the 30s and 40s. While working towards her master's degrees in, in 1940, Fowler made 20 wood engravings of historic places in the Willamette Valley. The series was later published as a book titled The Old Days in and Near Salem. Constance Fowler showed work at the Portland Art Museum, the Seattle Art Museum, and even at the New York World's Fair in 1939. She also taught at Willamette University for 12 years. Her works embodied the moody atmosphere and dramatic landscapes of the Pacific Northwest. In 1947, Fowler left Oregon. Her departure marked a dramatic shift in the subject matter and style of her artwork. In that period, she experimented with geometric, geometric abstraction, although she is still best known for her Oregon works. Fowler returned to Oregon in 1986 and spent her last years here until she passed away in 1993. Today, we'll start with your quick six news headlines, and we have an interview with Kat Finn of Bale Breaker Brewing. X-Ray. First up, it's time for today's quick six local rundown. Governor Kate Brown signed new gun control legislation into law yesterday. The new law bans guns from the Oregon Capitol, undoing a previous law that allowed for those with concealed weapons licenses to carry into the building. The new law also mandates that guns be kept in a locked container or gun room and be secured with a trigger or cable lock. The law is named after Cindy Yule and Steve Forsyth, two victims who were killed in a shooting at a Portland shopping mall in 2012 by a man who stole his friend's AR-15 rifle. Supporters of the law say it will help prevent accidental shootings by children, suicides, and mass shootings. Critics say the delay in being able to access weapons for self-defense will cost lives. Similar bills have been passed recently in Colorado, California, Connecticut, and New York. 
The new law goes into effect in the fall, three months after the legislature ends its session this summer. And now your daily dose of data. 53% of Oregonians have received at least one vaccination dose, while 44% are fully vaccinated. In Multnomah County, 59% of residents have received at least one dose. Unfortunately, 4,040 doses of the vaccine had to be wasted last week. Previous week had been a record of 4,672. Two-thirds of Oregon's 13,130 doses wasted since December have been tossed in the past two weeks alone. Remember, once the vaccines are opened up and thawed, they are only good for a couple of hours. Officials say as demand goes down, it's getting harder to use every dose. Oregon landlords have one last chance to apply for rent assistance from the state. Applications opened yesterday for the Oregon Housing and Community Services Landlord Compensation Fund. It's the final round of the $150 million program. If your tenants have fallen behind on rent since April of 2020, landlords can apply for relief of 80% of that rent, as long as you forgive the remaining 20%. The fund was originally created back in December of 2020, when the initial moratorium on rent was set to expire at the end of this month. That deadline has now been extended to February of 2022. State plans to make at least $60 million available in this last round. They have until June 30th to award the full $150 million. So far, they've distributed a little over $70 million of that amount. Landlords can apply until June 18th, and applications will be reviewed as they are received. Displaying a noose as a form of intimidation has been criminalized here in Oregon. The House passed Senate Bill 398 unanimously yesterday, 54 to 0. Three representatives did not cast votes and were marked as absent. Three other members were excused. Displaying a noose on public or private property with the intent of causing intimidation or fear of harm will now be a Class A misdemeanor. You can face penalties of up to a year in jail or a fine of $6,250. This legislation is the latest passed in a year when state lawmakers have been focused on racial justice. It also comes in the wake of recent incidents involving nooses, including multiple occasions where nooses were hung in public around Portland. A biracial couple in Eugene also found a noose on their trash can. Clackamas County Commissioner Mark Scholl has been stripped of his committee assignments after more accusations of racism. In a draft of a resolution he put forth at a county meeting, Scholl wrote, quote, COVID-19 vaccine passports and segregation and discrimination based on an individual's COVID-19 vaccination status create the conditions of a new Jim Crow 2.0. Not the first time Scholl has faced backlash over racist remarks. In January, there were calls for his resignation after racist, homophobic, and Islamophobic posts surfaced on his social media. Tootie Smith, the conservative chair of the county board, called the resolution, quote, abhorrent and irresponsible. She immediately killed the proposal, then introduced a resolution to strip Scholl of his duties. All the members of the council except Scholl supported it. A recall campaign against him is expected to launch later this month. And the good news is the NCAA baseball tournament gets underway on Friday with both the Beavers and the Ducks hoping to advance to the College World Series. Oregon State enters as a two-seed in the Fort Worth Regional, despite losing eight of its 11 last games. 
They'll have to get past top-seeded Texas Christian University, the fourth-ranked team in the country, as well as McNeese State and Dallas Baptist, who they open up the tournament with on Friday. U of O will serve as a host to its regional in Eugene, opening up against Central Connecticut on Friday. 14th overall seeded Ducks will also have to contend with Louisiana State and Northwest rival Gonzaga in their bracket. It's the 20th overall trip to regionals for the Beavers and the 8th overall playoff appearance for the Ducks. The first round is double elimination, so even if they lose on Friday, both schools will be alive and have a chance to advance over the weekend. And that's today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. X-Ray. Portland is well known for its craft beer, but lately the industry has been having its very own Me Too moment. Kat Finn of Bale Breaker Brewing joined Julia Oppenheimer to discuss it. Portland is well known for our amazing craft beer scene. Recently, however, the industry has been going through a bit of a reckoning. Joining me now is Kat Finn. Kat is the sales manager for Bale Breaker Brewing and is one of the founders of the PDX Book Club, which is sort of a makeshift support group for women in the beer industry. Good morning, Kat. Good morning. Thanks for joining me. Can you tell me a little bit about your history in the beer industry? Yeah, of course. Um, so I moved to Portland in 2007, and uh, pretty much right off the bat, I started to work for a craft beer bar in Southeast Portland. They were well known for their $2 craft pint night. And um, that was really when craft was taking off. Um, it was a good opportunity for people to explore new craft beers and get into the scene. Um, and eventually I uh, became the craft beer manager there and I curated the tap list and uh, got to become more exposed to the industry. Um, from there, I started to work for Miletus Beverage, which is a distributor in Oregon. I did on-premise sales for a few years. Um, at the time, there's very few women working in distribution and the beer industry in general. And then I made my way to uh, Sierra Nevada. Everybody knows Sierra Nevada. They're one of the most influential uh, craft breweries in the country. And um, there I got to really be exposed at the, the scope of craft beer and working for a national brand powerhouse. Um, now, I, I, like you said, I'm working for uh, Bale Breaker. I'm very, very happy there. They are a female and family owned uh, brewery out of Yakima. Cool. So, yeah. Um, you, I, full disclosure, you and I have known each other for a while because I used to work in the beer industry as well. Yes. Um, yes. You and myself and several other women started a a club, I guess we could call it, that we, we decided to call book club mainly because it was like an easy way to be like, ah, I'm going to go hang out with my friends. It's book club. Um, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about book? Tell our listeners. I know about book club, but tell our listeners about book club. So, yeah, as more women entered the industry, um, we, we wanted to hang out. We wanted to have drinks, and that's really what it started as, um, a way to get together and kind of just chat about the industry and non-industry things. Um, eventually, it evolved into us being able to utilize our resources and collaborate with one another to 
you know, support our accounts and support organizations we felt strongly about. So there was a focus on, uh, and is a focus on, you know, highlighting female owned businesses and uh, female focused organizations. Um, and PDX Book Club is open to all people. It mostly is comprised of women at this point. Um, but yeah, that's really what our, our mission was um, and is. During COVID, things kind of took a pause just because things, you know. It's hard to have live events when, you know, yes. bars are closed yeah. and you're not allowed to leave your house. Exactly. Exactly. So, so uh, um, this last week or so, a lot of allegations of sexism have been coming out of the, of the beer industry. I know last year, uh, Oregon had kind of a reckoning in general in uh, restaurants with like the 86 list and people coming out and talking about that. But what's going on in the beer industry right now? So, yeah, as we all know, there is um, the thread from Rap Magnet that many, many, many women have um, contributed to, you know, their their cases of and allegations of sexual harassment and um sexism within the industry and I think it's really bringing light a prevalent problem that has been there for quite a long time and and obviously still is um that's something we need to address well yeah as you said it's a it's a very male dominated industry and as I feel like you are one of kind of one of the uh first women to pioneer at least in this state like you said working at Miletus there were very few women um how how does the craft beer culture of sexism and sexual harassment how has that sort of been tolerated and why has that been tolerated you know uh I think at the time when craft was really taking off uh women felt like it was a badge of honor to be in this industry that you were part of the boys club that you had had made it in and so um we we were also taught to really that it was it was all joking to have thick skin because you're going to experience these types of things and comments uh not necessarily from your co-workers but maybe from retailers or customers um because that was considered to be part of the culture kind of um and also we didn't want to jeopardize our companies or our jobs and be labeled as you know problematic employees or um or someone who complains a lot and and that ruined our our career path so i think for a long time it was very common for women to stay silent and um, not bring forward these types of issues. Yeah, I feel like uh, it was just kind of what we signed up for in a way. We would say like, oh, it's fine. I, you know, someone would ask me, I would do a, a demo or something and some people would be like, oh, are, are you just a pretty face or do you actually know anything about beer? People were always surprised to find out that, you know, it was actually my job and I actually knew what I was doing. <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah like yeah I've actually brewed beer before I know how I know how this works I like beer do you even drink beer yeah I drink beer yeah I do so as of the last couple weeks there's been a lot of uh women coming out and talking about 
the sexual harassment that they've experienced in the industry. What what's going on? What can you explain a little bit about the reckoning that's going on right now? So, yeah, um, you know, we had a little uh, Zoom meeting amongst our our book club and we kind of went through like our experiences and how I view it is that, you know, there is sexism and there's sexual harassment. There are two things that are under this same umbrella of um, gender-based sex harassment, really. Um, and all of that is, is, you know, contributes to making females feel marginalized, uncomfortable um, in, in the workplace. And none of that is okay. And, and when we were discussing this, um, some of the examples that people gave range from, you know, annoyances to outright disturbing examples of of harassment Um, and and none of that is okay Uh, in the presence of sexism is obviously representative in the fact that we don't see a lot of women in these high level decision-making positions right you know oftentimes women are in the mid-level, entry-level positions. So they're not the ones making the real change in the policies. Um, there's also a huge wage inequ- inequity in, in the industry as well that, that needs to be addressed. You know, Women are ma- making substantially less for doing the exact same job as their male counterparts. Mm-hmm. Beer is often marketed to men. I think of like watch sports, go fishing, drink beer. Um, what kind of a role do you think marketing has played in inequities in the industry? So, yeah, I, I think that's a really great question. And, um, you know, from the beginning of craft beer, we have always seen, you know, a bearded man in a flannel chopping down wood, drinking an IPA. Yeah. And, and that imagery became ubiquitous with what people perceive as craft. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't necessarily people who look like me yeah, or anybody else. Um, so when people saw a woman in, in these positions, it, it didn't align with what their perception was. So they immediately called into question, oh, you know, you're not what I see as craft marketed everywhere. Uh, I think we have made a lot of progress making a more inclusive uh, image of of what craft is, but we still have a a long way to go to to highlighting, you know, underrepresented groups within the industry. Mm -hmm. I was telling a friend yesterday that you and I were going to chat this morning and she reminded me of that Coors Light ad from, um, I think it was a Super Bowl ad a couple years ago, um, where the girl gets home and she takes her bra off and then drinks a Coors Light. And that that was supposed to be this just like liberating moment for us. Like literally you're taking your bra off, you're liberated, but also like all of the sudden marketing or Coors, which is, you know, a huge company is acknowledging that women drink beer, but in like such a, yeah. just a backwards <laughs> way, right? Like, Oh, you take your bra off and drink yeah. a Coors Light. <laughs> You're free. You're free. <laughs> You're free. You, you found Coors. freedom. Uh, you, uh, 
things are good now so much to unpack there like just the fact that you're marketing to women all of the sudden but that yeah the way that ad was put together Um, but it's still that you have to like it's still kind of undertones of sexuality you know you have to highlight that like oh you know women have to release their breasts you know in order to relax and drink beer (laughs) you know i kayak you know (laughs) totally sometimes i chop wood totally um how much how much of this reckoning that the beer industry is going through can be i i hate to say this but do you feel like any of this is kind of cancel culture or is are we finally getting to a place that's something you know I don't know how I feel about cancel culture. Um, I think everything that's been going on was obviously very cathartic for a lot of women um, to share these types of experiences. And quite frankly, it exposed some of the most egregious offenders um, who did horrific things. So in that way, I think it held a lot of people accountable. Do I think it's a long-term solution? No, I think we need to continue to have productive conversations of how we implement real change, how we uh, put in place best practices and training and require that employers in the industry as a whole um, creates a culture that supports females coming forward and doesn't allow this type of behavior to continue um, or it's some of these offenders to keep keep doing things without being held accountable yeah so how is the how is the culture changing for the better is there is there hope yeah i think women are not willing to stay silent anymore um i think there's more conversations happening um like this more solidarity movements uh amongst women within the industry and and the conversation has started um you know we are moms we're sisters we're daughters we're wives um and we should expect and demand to be comfortable in our our workplace um and i think there's a lot that needs to be done to achieve that agenda but I think we're headed in the right direction um, if we can really implement systematic change. Yeah, just starting the conversation, right, is a is a positive step. Right. Is there a way that consumers can help support positive change in the in the industry? Absolutely. Um, I would say, you know, a, a great way to start is to, you know, support breweries that are working hard to, um, be inclusive and showcase a, a more fair and just community. Um, shout out to Gail Breaker, who is continuously working to do that. Um, support female and minority-owned companies. Um, and and if you are interested in what we do and you know want to ask a question, I think a good thing to keep um, in mind is is how you're phrasing or, or saying things. Um, you know, A, is this an appropriate comment? And would I say this in an office setting, mm. you know, to a doctor, a real estate agent, or your electrician? Mm-hmm. And is what I'm saying based on gender 
rather than the job itself. Mm-hmm. That's and yeah. Keeping those things in mind, you know. Yeah, because your job does, you know, you find yourself in bars, in settings, in places where people are a little bit less uh, censored than they would be in the office. So I think that's a that's a good point. Absolutely, I think people have. Yeah, I think people have this perception of beer being this, you know, casual industry where anything goes. It's still a place of work and the same conduct that would occur in an office should apply here. Totally. Kat, thank you so much for coming on the show this morning and talking to us. Um, We really appreciate it. Thank you. The craft beer industry is an amazing place. The beer industry is an amazing place. It has offered me and so many people a career path. Um, We are just hoping to make it a little bit better. That's all you can do. Yeah. Thanks to Kat for joining The Local. And thank you for listening to The Local, your hometown in just about 30 minutes. And as always, thank you, democracy. We'll talk to you tomorrow. X-Ray.